Hello and welcome to the Yuma Sun Sports Podcast. Today is Thursday, April 27th. I'm Warner Strasbaugh, sports reporter for the Yuma Sun. Joining me is sports editor Grady Garrett. Grady, it's been a while again. <laughs> How's it going? It has been a while. Uh, last time we talked, I think, was start of the spring sports season. Yeah, now wrapping here we up are with seven brackets in front of us ready to talk about the end of spring sports season or almost the end but yeah so uh yeah we obviously the big thing we want to talk about is all the brackets were released for baseball and softball uh but first we both covered a baseball game yesterday and uh, i wanted to dive into those they're both pretty interesting and also kind of relevant for uh you know the the bracket release for 6a baseball so to start with i guess i'll start with me because that was probably the more uh the more interesting game but yeah so i covered kofa against alhambra and it was in so the way they do it as we've discussed before is there's a play-in round so 24 teams make the field and seeds 9 through 24 play each other in a sort of one game elimination to get into the main bracket and i think we we consider that still part of the state tournament right yeah i think we do i, I don't think, think technically people- i think technically it's not considered but yeah, I mean, I just think, you know... For like, my archives, I, I give them credit for yeah. a state appearance. Because, like, the number nine team in the state loses, then it's like, you know, they didn't go to state. That yeah. just seems kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, so Kofa was number 13. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, Alhambra was number 20. And it was kind of an interesting matchup to begin with because Alhambra had run through the Yuma teams last year. <coughs> and you get... You guys get the get us in the weeds here. Um, Alhambra beat Yuma High in the first round by one run in extra innings. The one versus thirty-two game when Yuma High was right. five and eleven. Yeah. yeah, last year. And then they beat Hilo Ridge in the quarterfinals. And then they beat San Luis in the state championship. So I, I had seen a lot of Alhambra already, and I had seen their pitcher uh, Jesus Aldaz, who so now it's the Kofa game. He dominated ten strikeouts in six and two-thirds innings, but of course. We've talked a lot, and I've covered it a lot in baseball this year. The pitch count limit came. Like, that was the most visible effect of the pitch count limit that I've ever seen because the way Alhambra did last year, they had that guy and they had a senior from from last year, Aldo Fernandez. Those guys combined to pitch all 36 innings in the playoffs last year. Um, they even had one guy close the semifinal the night before the state championship, and then that guy went on to throw 117 pitches against mm-hmm. San Luis. So they abused the heck out of those guys. I mean, they really did. Can't do that anymore. Relievers come in. Alhambra's up three to nothing. Kofa scores four straight runs without getting an out, and uh, and wins the game. They wanted a walk off walk. It was uh, it was a pretty crazy game. That, that is crazy. And props to you for being all over that pitch count story from the start. I mean, it's you know if you read it, it's like. What did you do? Two stories on it? You did, right? I did a big one last year last when it year, got when implemented, got play, and then yeah. the season preview for this year. My whole yeah. like five hundred word yeah. lead was about the pitch. So game. it's funny because if you're someone who doesn't know too much about high school baseball, you might read it like a casual reader, maybe like a snowbird, like who reads occasional high school sports sure. articles, and be like, "Why are they giving this so much like publicity? Like it's just a well, there you go, right there. You <laughs> were all over it from the start, and we literally see how big of a deal it is because that. I mean, don't don't take this the wrong way, Kofa fans, but that's probably the difference between who's moving on in the first round. Yeah, and, is and I mean, and they count. and they knew. I mean, <laughs> you know, their coach Richie Leon. After I, because I asked him, because I remember talking to him during the season, and he was talking about just how much of a headache it was. Because the way they do it is, it's 
I remember before they were skeptical, like, how is this going to be police? But the way they do it is both teams keep pitch counts of, of both teams in the game. So they keep their own pitch count, and they keep the opposing team's pitch count. And then after the game, they have to sign it off. And if there's a discrepancy, they have to send it to the AAA. So it was kind of a big headache for all the local coaches and probably all the coaches in the state to deal with. And I, I asked him, I was like, was that headache worth it today? And he was like, yeah, no, it totally that totally worked out in our favor. Like things would have gone a lot differently potentially if, if that didn't happen because Aldaz would have finished that game no matter what last year if, the, if it was the same case with no pitch count rules. Not to diverge too much away from the task at hand, but – What's the pitch count again? What's the max you can throw? So in what one you game, hit? it's 105. Okay. And so you can finish the batter. Question for you. Yeah. Because this crossed my mind today when I was thinking about this game. Would you be in favor of raising the pitch count for the postseason, say 10 to 15 pitches? I don't know. One, I mean, major league teams don't really go over 105 anymore. Yeah, I know but high school teams do as well in the past. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I remember, like, the thing – there was a kid in in yeah. Arizona who threw, or no, no, there was a kid in Michigan who threw 167 pitches. Yeah. So I There's, think I mean 115 or 120 from from the high school perspective in a postseason game that seems reasonable because if you do it just for postseason, then you're right. still limiting it during. It, the, yeah, I mean, I guess I just rather have that than you know a game be decided because a kid yeah throws 105 yeah. pitches. Yeah, well, and I mean. I, I think it was poor planning on Alhambra's part. One thing Alhambra's coach does is he's the guy who, like, if someone messes up in the field, he pulls mm-hmm. them. So, like, last year in the state championship, he had a right fielder who misplayed a ball, and it ended up being a double, and he just pulled him out of the game. Yesterday in the game, shortstop made an error in the seventh, which was basically buried. I don't even think I wrote about that in my story because the seventh inning was so crazy. But all those runs were unearned because Did the error been. come with? The air was pitcher was it was it was when Aldaz was pitching. Okay, so it was the first. It would have been the second out. Okay. It would have been a tough play regardless, but it was still an error. Um, but he yanked the guy. So anyway, my point being, I think it was kind of poor planning because if he sees that coming, he had twelve pitches going to the last inning. I think you just start with a new guy in the seventh if you see that coming because I think what really hurt them was that it was with two outs and two runners on. Oh, interesting! Interesting that you think that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could risk it, yeah. but because basically, because you can, you can finish that bat if you start before. So yeah. he actually finished with 110 pitches, because his last at bat was Damian Reinhardt, who walked on a full count, which was huge. Yeah, and that was the last batter he could have faced. See, I think with 12 pitches and being able to face the last batter, that's if you throw strikes, that's yeah. that's four batters you can face, and it yeah. sounds like with the way he was dominating, you should be able to get four. Well, but the problem quickly. is he was going deep into counts because he was okay. striking so many guys out. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm the coach, I'm telling them, you literally go out there and you throw strikes and make them hit it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many balls he threw in that last inning, but don't well, go yeah. deep counts, that, I mean, that was but. his first walk, so. Oh, really? Yeah, it was kind of funny. It was like as soon as the pitch count happened, it's like, oh, there, there, goes, uh, there goes his command. He hit the 105 mark. Now he's walking people. But, Interesting. Yeah, so that was crazy. Yeah, so they end up, they score four runs. Reinhardt walks, get two on, and then uh, – Kevin Avila, first pitch off the new pitcher, singles up the middle. And then Jeremy Santana on a 1-2 count gets hit by a pitch. That scores the first run. And then Porches, also with two strikes, singles up the middle. And he he made two changes in that inning, too. Like, that was it. He 
give up the single and the hit by pitch, and then he pulled that pitcher and he brought the catcher in the pitch. So the catcher comes out, who's who's he's a Grand Canyon commit, like he's a really good hitter. Oh really? Catcher comes out to pitch, he's taking the gear off, like it was just it was ridiculous. Like it just didn't seem well thought out at all. It was Crazy. like, okay, we'll just figure it out. Hopefully Aldaz gets gets through it and we'll just figure it out then. But yeah. And then four pitch walk to one Castillo to end it. Um so yeah, so Kofa moves on. And two teams in front of them. One was Skyline. The other was one of the desert somethings lost. Um, desert Mountain, maybe. So Kofa moves up to yeah, 11. Desert Mountain. Uh, I guess before we get into the 16-team the bracket for 6A, tell us about your game because that's going to be relevant. So Cibola yeah. and Boulder Creek. Yeah. What, what so did you... Uh, Cibola, Boulder Creek. So Kofa, Kofa Alhambra was a 13-20 game. Cibola, Boulder Creek was 16-17. Um, and you and I kind of talked about this today that before that game, I just based off you know who's who teams have played in the past, I expected Cibola to be the underdog. I would yeah. say, oh um, yeah, absolutely. Even though they were the home team, I mean, just looking at looking at some of like we said a long time ago, but back in March they Boulder Creek beat Basha ten to nothing, who's the number one team in the state. Their only loss they played Kofa. Um, they beat Kofa seven to two, and Kofa won two out of three this year against Cibola. Um, so I expected Boulder Creek to to be the better team, but I was fairly underwhelmed by them. They did yeah. not they did not um, generate much offense until the sixth inning. Cibola used Isaac Varela as their starter. He went five and a third. Um, left with Cibola leading one nothing. Cibola. I scored their one run in the fourth inning, and then uh, relief pitcher J.J. Martinez came in, did a good job to get out of a second and third jam, gave up a sack fly, and then got a strikeout. So then went 1-1 one, one to, the, to the seventh inning, and uh, that's when things kind of came apart, and Boulder Creek scored three runs in the top of the seventh, and that was that. They won 4-1. Um, so it was it was an exciting game, um, closer game than I thought, but... It's it's one that I imagine steams for Cibola because they stranded a lot of guys. Um, yeah, I'd say like ten, right? Yeah, I think I was exaggerating you slightly, okay. but I know they stranded six between the fourth and the sixth inning. Yeah, that's, um, that's the stuff from the top of my lot. head. They uh, so that fourth inning they had bases loaded, one out, got a base hit, that everybody moved up one base, so that made it one nothing. Then they grounded into a double play. Next inning in the fifth, they had first and second, one out, grounded into a double play. Um, and then sixth inning, so right after Boulder Creek had tied it, they had runner on second, one out, and they lined out to third, which was right at a rocket right at third baseman. He doubled up the runner off of second base. So gotcha. three, straight, three straight double plays wow. that ended threats. Um, so at that point, you kind of felt like, oh, this is going to come back to Bicebull, isn't it? exactly what ended up happening but um so it's you know it was a good game i think cibola cibola probably had a better season than you and i probably both expected right yeah yeah i mean i remember our first podcast we did at the beginning of the spring i was asking you how many baseball teams you thought would get in and you were you were not giving the six eight teams. I remember as much credit. Yeah, I said San Luis and and well, I and think probably I probably just because of the twenty four. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was expecting. I you know I didn't think. But still, Sabul ended up being sixteen. Right, I mean, they would have gotten in in regardless. So I think I do think the powerpoints gave them more credit. Gave 
the Yuma school is more credit this year than maybe you right. were anticipating. So yeah, and I mean, there's also just the fact of of just forgetting about just wins and losses. I mean, that still, regardless of the schedule, plays a part. And Cibola had a winning record, and mm-hmm. there were plenty of six A teams that didn't. <laughs> yeah, and that that was a big big factor too. And just with the seasons that San, the season that San Luis had, that obviously help them because they play them three yeah, times exactly and they play when you play three, three times. times you get three cracks to get a signature win you know because those signature wins yeah. help you a ton and they as beat we saw Cibola, with San Luis i mean they beat kofa yeah. and san luis yeah exactly so it's that's two but yeah but as you're saying it's a good segue because boulder creek is going to be making its second trip to the yuma area yep. in three days four days three days yeah yeah so you want to yeah so break break down the brackets, bracket? brackets came out uh san luis as of Monday, they were nine, and they beat then number three Sunnyside. They jumped all the way up to four, and based on the teams losing in front of them, like Kofa moved up to Boulder Creek, moved up to the number thirteen spot. So Boulder Creek is going to be playing in San Luis, which means Cibola would have been playing San Luis if Cibola would have beaten Boulder Correct, Creek. Correct. Yeah. Been really interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean that's an interesting one. I think based on what you said, I mean we we feel. Like, San Luis is probably the likely winner. They'll have Gabriel Ponce on the mound. Um, and, you know, the one thing, like, the one thing about Boulder Creek that I just didn't, that kind of made me unsure was cause they're, they're basically in the most loaded uh, section or region because they had Horizon, they had Mountain Ridge, that's the two and three. They had Pinnacle was the nine, and then I think whoever the 12 was that lost. So they were last place of those six, and they still got the 17th seed. I think they were two and eight in their region. Jeez. Um, so that's just kind of like, are they bad, or are those other teams just that good? You know, and they're still the worst of them, mm-hmm. but the worst of that region could still be better than the second best team in in San Luis's region. You know. Yeah. But I think based on what you said, uh, based on the pitching that Cibola had, you know, no, no offense to them at all, but. Compared to, they're not going to San Diego on a full ride scholarship. <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah, I mean Gabriel Ponce is something like one and a half strikeouts per per inning, uh, 0.53 ERA, I believe. Um, so yeah, so that should be an interesting one. And then funny enough, which is the reason I want to talk to Larson Jones, Cibola's coach, is that Kofa's matchup. So Kofa gets the 11. They play against Perry. So two of Cibola's last three opponents are team are the teams that San Luis and Kofa are playing because Cibola played Perry, I think last, last Friday. Week. Yeah, last Friday. Uh, and they, I think they lost like nine, nine nothing, nothing, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm sure both uh, San Luis and Kofa will be calling up Larson as well to get the scouting report. But yeah, so it should be interesting. I think uh, you know Kofa probably got a pretty tough draw with Perry, um, but. Yeah, I mean, do you have any any thoughts on the bracket, or should I keep going with it? You're you're, you're pretty much the uh, expert here. I will say, you say tough draw with Perry, but in six A, if you're a double digit seed, your first round's going to be a, a a tough draw, no matter who. Right, <laughs> who you're but, drawing, yeah. Well, just what I was thinking was because I saw San Luis play Sunnyside. If Sunnyside, that is true. If Sunnyside that was is the true. six. Sunnyside, you're right. Sunnyside might be the weaker of those of those teams that are. They're up there. Right. And I do, for San Luis to advance, I think they got a pretty good draw. I was looking, Corona del Sol, I think, kind of had a similar, they have a similar resume to San Luis. They went 15-3. and three. Yeah, weak schedule. They had, yeah, they had the second worst um, schedule. You know, we were talking about Boulder Creek. 
playing, you know, all these teams. I think every team in that Boulder Creek region with Horizon, what what's that called? Some Desert Valley, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if you have it up, but I think every team in that Desert region Valley, yeah. was ranked ahead of the second team in Corona del Sol's region. So, Central, yeah. Um, yeah, Mountain, yeah, Mountain Point was number two in, in Central, and they were... Yeah, I think they were like the 19. 19 yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, if you even compare it, just if you're just looking purely at the AIA rankings, I mean, Kofa and Cibola were both ranked ahead of of them. So tough to say with Corona del Sol. I looked at their stats. Mysteriously, the hitting stats were all zeros, um, but all the games were logged, and the pitching stats were there, and the fielding stats were there. But one thing I'd say, just looking ahead to that one, since we already kind of think San Luis should should be able to handle Boulder Creek. All right, so we're back. One of the two problems of doing these during normal people hours when we usually do them at like midnight after deadline is that I'm doing it on my phone so when people call it stops the recording but anyway we're back so I think the point I was trying to make last thing on 6A baseball was yeah Corona del Sol's hitting stats disappeared but the one thing I, I do like for for San Luis's chances is based on what I saw from the pitching stats they didn't they didn't have any big strikeout guys which I think is 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 pretty huge for them because they they work counts and basically you know they if they can't get blown away i think their offense should be should be good but yeah once it gets there it's double elimination it's kind of like the college world series so so that first one's the one the really important one to win yeah because then once you win that first one you're in double elimination you can afford a loss but if you lose saturday you're done right and yeah and i think if uh and if they do I mean, even if they were to lose the first in the double elimination, they'd be playing the loser of Basha, yeah. and that 8-9 matchup seems to be a pretty good one between Sandra Day O'Connor and Pinnacle. So I think really if they if they want to make a deep run, they probably have to beat Boulder Creek and then Corona del Sol because mm-hmm. um, it'll just be so hard to get out of that loser's bracket. But anyway, all right, let's move on to 6A softball. So we have, we have just one team, and it's Cibola. They got the four seed, and uh, you uh, you talked to Coach Coach Bauman. So why don't you uh, take it away with with their uh, yeah? Well, they're coming off they're coming off their first loss in regular season loss since March of 2015. So back when I was basically a newbie here, and yeah. before you even took your so Sabola had not Sabola softball had not lost a regular season game. Because you arrived, what, in April 2015? Yeah, it was like the 30th of March or something. So. That's literally like the day that they lost. Yeah. So that, that just shows how long ago it had been since yeah. they had lost a regular season game. Because they went undefeated in the regular season last year, started this season 17-0, and lost their season finale to Tucson. Um, Tucson was ranked number four. Sabola was ranked number two. Um, it was 8 nothing. I think Sabola gave up four runs in the first inning and never really recovered. Um, Coach Bauman said that was probably one of the best pitchers they've faced this season. So when you fall in a 4-0 hole against an ace pitcher in softball, you're probably not coming back. So I guess I don't hold it too much against them that ended up being 8-0 because that's just got to kill your morale to know you're probably out of it after the first inning. But my big question for them is is how they're going to respond because, it, like I said, this is the first time in two years that they're coming off of a loss because last right. year obviously their only loss was their just last game of the season. season. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Um, just from a reporting perspective, I'm I'm much more excited for <laughs> this year's tournament than last year's football tournament because yeah. they last year they entered number one in Division Three. 
And I think their first three state games were all – I think they 10-run ruled the teams, all the first three that they played. Yeah. Because they were the ones. So they played, like, the 32, the 16, the 8. And yeah. they would, no, all those teams were fun just, being six just completely overmatched. Um, and at least in baseball, there were some good there were some good games last year, but there wasn't even right, good games right. for softball. Stabula was just, and obviously they ended up losing in the semis, one nothing. So that was obviously a good game. But from the get go, it's going to be tough for them. I mean, even though they're the four seed, it's going to be uh, it's going to be very very interesting. Um, but yeah, that's uh, so. Yeah, I feel like their matchups are kind of something that you can look at, at least the potential first two, because Rincon was obviously in their conference. They didn't earn their region. They didn't play them, but you can sort of get a gauge because they played Tucson, and they played... Who did they end up playing, Kofa? Or um, was it... Or did they play San Luis? Were they they f- played San Luis. Oh, so they so were they third. Beat, they beat Rincon... Or Rincon beat San Luis, yeah, 12-2. to two, Which was I probably believe. short. Like it probably, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that doesn't tell you much, but... And then their potential uh, round two matchup once the double elimination bracket starts against Perry, who they just played, right? Yeah, they uh, they they beat Perry four one last year, or not last year, last week. So that was last Friday, and Perry was number five going into that game. Sabola was number three, and Sabola scored I think three in the last inning to win. So that that would be a really good game if that matchup does happen, mm-hmm. um, the four or five. And if you're Savola, you got to feel decent about that draw because you've already played them. Then that the difference between that softball and baseball is that rounds at the higher seed, whereas the baseball moves over right, to right. to neutral site. So Savola could potentially play at home on Saturday, win that, play at home again on Tuesday, win that, then you're in. The final four of the double elimination bracket, essentially. But yeah, so I don't, I don't know. It'll be, but they'll be good games. It'll be interesting to to see. It's been a while since uh, I think a team has made a run in softball. At, probably the same for baseball, the higher division. So yeah. it'll be curious to see if. Yeah, if, I mean, I think. I mean, it still wasn't the highest, but I know Healeridge baseball the year before I got here got within one game of the Division Two final. Um, so I know that that was... But that was still Division Two though. Yeah, and just looking at, like, recent history for softball, I mean, Cibola in 2011, 2010, so that's two years, they they were the number two overall seed in 5A Division Two, which is pretty high, second-highest division, but... Um, and they didn't make it past the final 12 either those two years so and then Kofa softball was number three seed in 2014 for division two and they lost by 10 runs in the first round I mean softball softball the seeding hasn't always mattered so I'll be curious right. to see if Cibola can actually you know live up to live up to their seed this year all right uh moving down to we'll hit on 4A softball real quick probably not a ton to say uh but Gila Ridge won their region they went undefeated they had you know, by all accounts, a great season uh, within the region, but obviously, power points were a big factor, and they, yeah, they're the 16 seed, and I think they were ranked like 21st. Yeah, they? it was very. It's either Ridge girls basketball, softball, and girls soccer were all very like in the same spot. Yeah, like, they were like at the like if they all would have gotten in, they were like low seeds because like, I think remember girls soccer was like 19 right, right on the edge. Right, and girls basketball ended up being I think 
either 16 and boys basketball or 14 is or 15. In like yeah. the low 20s, I think, Yeah, it's, it's crazy how many Gila Ridge teams have been in that low 20s, right. high teens area. And yeah, and then the one difference with softball is just that they won the region because the others would have had yeah. to get in as an at-large. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, they, it's going to be tough. They play yeah. Canyon Del Oro. I don't know. Do you know anything? I, I'm sure they're uh, very They're good. a Tucson school, and the Tucson schools, I believe, are good at softball. It seems like it. That seems to be the general <laughs> the general rule of thumb. All right. Because wasn't Catalina Foothills? That was one that Catalina smaller Foothills played was, last year. They're good. They're in, they're in 4A, too, so that would be the same. There's, right. I'm sure they're somewhere on that bracket. But, like, Tucson High for 6A, they have multiple losses to lower division Tucson teams, so like 4A yeah. teams. Like gotcha. those. Those Tucson teams are pretty legit, top to bottom. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder where that is. Maybe I know U of A softball is really good. I wonder if yeah. that has anything to do with it. Yeah, seriously. But, um, okay, so yeah, it's. I mean, it would be it would be pretty shocking if uh, if Healer Ridge were to win, but it's still uh, still good that they crossed the threshold that those other teams we mentioned could yeah. in and at least got in. And they know in your region, no matter what your region's strength is, it's still an accomplishment. Yeah. So. Um, okay, down to 3A, baseball. So, Yuma Catholic has the, what, the five seed, and they'll play Blue Ridge, which is one of the White Mountain schools. Um, you know, the main thing with them is what it's been basically every year I've been here. Daniel Miranda has had another tremendous season. I think I was looking at the strikeout leaderboard last night, and he was fifth, and probably actually fourth, because whoever was first had more strikeouts than batters faced. So... That didn't make sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's their ace. He's their guy. Um, you know, when he pitches, they have a pretty good chance to win. I think the two losses that they've had in the quarterfinals the last two years were days that he didn't pitch. Um, and one interesting note, we were talking about the difference between Division Three last year and 6A this year. So should Yuma Catholic win, uh, the number four seed who they would play in the quarterfinals is Sa, Sa Juarita. And that's just a funny note, and that goes to show just how kind of ridiculous it was that some of the big schools from here were in Division Three, because yep. that's who San Luis played in the semifinals last year. Yeah. And now that team is going to play Yuma Catholic, which has 2,600 fewer students than San Luis. Yeah, seriously. Um, so that just goes to show now that we're, we're doing the breakdown of enrollment. This, um, and this is the right way. I yeah, this some is, people I know some people disagree with that, but I will go yeah. on record. No, yeah. we. This is how it should be seen. To be classified. Yeah, and so, yeah, so that'll, that'll be a tough one. Um, I know they had, a, I can't remember his first name, but Brian was his last name. Sahorita had him last year, and he was a New Mexico State commit, which was a pretty big deal for a small school. Um, and San Luis got to him pretty bad, but, you know, he still helped them get into the semi, so I know they don't have him, but I imagine they're still still pretty good so probably a tough tough draw there for for yc in the quarterfinals yeah which like you said they've lost in the quarterfinals two years in a row and the two years before that they lost in around the 16 and i'm just looking at their their recent playoff history it seems like every year they're yeah, i know they made it's state. like a top 10 seed and they make it they made state i think the year before yeah that. so it would have been 2012 they lost in the state championship right but the last four years since then they've been as high as the ten seed as low, or as high as the one seed and as low as the ten seed and they've been out in the quarters every round. But right. we'll see. And then lastly, three A softball, Yuma Catholic has the two seed. I know you talked to Madison Tracy, so uh what uh what did you learn from that conversation and what do you think about Yuma Catholic? Yeah, you know, they have they have the two seed, like you said, they suffered their only loss of the regular season. I think it was their third to last regular season game. 
4-3 to North Point Prep in the last inning. Um, North Point Prep was a region opponent for them, and they played them twice, and I believe they uh, they split those games. But YC, I mean, two is a very high seed for them. You know, some of these some of these other programs that we've been talking about, they're pretty used to getting to the playoffs. So, you know, someone like Cibola Softball, it's kind of like, can they take the next step? Right. YC, YC Baseball, baseball can yeah. they take the next step? Um San Luis has the asterisk, but, you know, can they take the next step at the, at the higher level? Yeah, yeah, yeah. YC Softball, they've only made it twice. This is only their third appearance in, like, the last ten years. And last year they were the fourth seed, made it to the quarterfinals, which despite being the fourth seed, that still felt like a pretty accomplished season for them. Mm-hmm. So I would say even though they're the two seed, I think, you know, if they make a run to the semis, I think that's another good step in the right direction for this program. I don't think they should necessarily have – win a state title or, or bust um, expectations right. on their shoulders, whereas maybe like, like YC boys basketball or right. boys soccer in the past, if they're seated as high as second, you're thinking, all right, yeah. they better win state or else they didn't do what they should do. So I'm not saying that I expect YC to win state, but I do expect them to um, have, a, have a good showing. They're definitely, definitely a contender. Um, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know, haven't broken down too much on um, their bracket but it is the same style as 4a whereas it's the uh 16 team single elimination um all right that's good bracket. to know yeah. yeah 6a is the only one that has that double elimination yeah so it looks like the one the one seed is river valley and they're undefeated um and that's you know it's it's, it's tough to it's tough to tell on a lot of those the smaller schools because they don't there's not a ton of overlap between like the regions because some of them are located like up right in the mountains yeah yeah exactly so up in those mountain schools sort of they never play like the phoenix schools or the human you know mm-hmm. so you don't really know how if the mountain schools are really good we had the same conversation like in football like how good really show low on snowflake right, and stuff right. and, and it's kind of the same thing in in softball i mean with a lot of these teams that are like yeah show fo- show low is the number three River Valley's the number one, Safford, Winslow, all those teams are. Castillo's number six, which YC has beaten twice. So I think anyone below that point is, is maybe not as good, but those top teams, I don't really know who's right. who's who in terms of who to beat. But YC, So YC opens against number 15, Ash Fork, on Saturday, and that will also be – that's a neutral site, which unfortunate for the YC teams because the, the 6A teams get home games, but – 4A or 3A is at a neutral site. Right. And then the lot you said last one, but there still is 1A yes, baseball. Yes. Yes, San Pasquale. So that is what's that being our total to? Is that that's three Six softball? Bracket. Oh. Three softball and five four. baseball. Yeah, four. Including Cibola. Yeah, I guess if we included Cibola. Um so that'd be eight postseason teams between which is more reasonable than what it was last year. It was more yeah. like 12 last year. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's, yeah. it's four 6A teams, too. Yeah, so they made it in their correct divisions, so that's that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, San Pasquale Baseball is the eighth and final of the postseason qualifiers for baseball and softball, and I believe they finished with, with the number um, seven seed, mm-hmm. and they uh pulling up their bracket, right? right now but they uh i think this is like fourth year in a row for them qualifying for state and yeah they open against number 10 ash fork wait didn't i say that too i might have gotten yc softball wrong page 
Page. They play Page. I had Ashfork on my mind because I was getting the same Pasquale. <laughs> so YC Softball is the two seed. They play number 15, Page. I believe I said they play number 15, Ashfork. San Pasquale Baseball plays Ashford. Gotcha. So I knew the teams that they were playing just had them mixed up a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so San Pasquale Baseball, they, they, I think they finished the season on a six-game winning streak. Um, I know they won their first-round game last year, and so we'll see if they can build off of that success against the 10-seed Ashford. But All right. that's, our, that's our eight posting qualifiers. All right, I just want to do a rundown of just when these games are. So San Pasquale, that's a, that's a later date too, right? San Pasquale and YC Baseball are next Friday, neutral okay. site. So game Saturday in town. There's been a change according to this bracket. San Luis apparently plays a two now. Oh, really? Which is nice for me. That um, is nice. So yeah, they probably didn't want to make Boulder Creek wake up at 6 a.m. and drive here. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably double check that San Luis or Cebola softball remains the same. Still says ten fifteen as yeah. of an hour ago. Yeah. I guess an hour ago doesn't mean anything to people listening to this, but um, so yeah, so games in town on Saturday, San Luis hosting Boulder Creek at two, uh, baseball, and then Cebola softball hosting Rincon at as of what eight p.m. They, played, on they kept Thursday. it at ten fifteen. They kept it at ten fifteen last year, so okay. they were playing an out of town team. So. <laughs> I imagine they'll keep it the same. And then on the road will be Kofa Baseball at Perry at 11, uh, Gila Ridge Softball at Canyon Del Oro at 10:15, and then on the road, but still the home team is uh, YC Softball against Page at 3:30 in Phoenix, and those are all the Saturday games. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, I think to, unless everyone loses. I, I think we plan on doing another podcast before the season's over. But at the very least, we'll do a season wrap-up and kind of get into awards and all that stuff uh, when the time comes for that. Yeah, just a little spring sports wrap-up and stuff. But Yeah, and I'll plug my story. Uh, oh, yeah, I have Gabriel, a, Gabriel Ponce. Yeah, I have a big big feature on, on Gabriel Ponce. I've been working on it for about a, a month now. Um, so that'll be in Saturday's paper. Um which would be nice that it'll come out and the game one have already started. So Yeah, it's nice that the game got moved back to two because that gives people three more hours to read it before the game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that'll be in Saturday's paper. I'm looking forward to to hearing about that. If anyone does contact me about it, I guess. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that's been that. Uh, that's our kind of bracket breakdown, and we should be back. Uh, but as always, you know, Yuma Sun will have plenty of of print content coming up uh, from the games. So, yeah, I guess we'll say I'll be at San Luis Baseball. You'll be at Cibola Softball on Saturday, so you can look forward to those game articles on Sunday. And as always, you can uh, download this podcast on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud. Always post to the Twitter account uh, at Yuma Sun Sports and uh, at YumaSun.com, the website. Thanks for listening.